to the talk title, I don't remember, either. something about vastness, wasn't it? We were kind of chatting when, okay, let's, I'll give it a title now, right now. Something, no, not I know, don't ignore the vastness. You know about vast, profound and vast? Don't ignore that. Don't ignore, uh, ignore the incredible vastness. I'm not talking about the vastness of the ultimate, but I'm talking about the vastness of the relative. Don't, there's a don't word, don't shrink down into your little petty mind with your little tiny concerns about she said, they said, I did, they didn't, and ignore the vastness. If you need a, uh, an example or an image, go, down, go outside, if you have an outside where you're at. Even if you're in a penitentiary, you get an hour a day, as I recall. Go out and look right down. Right down, look at that. Look at, look at your feet. And then look up. That's just a relative vastness. And that's minuscule if we want to continue to use relative pointers to the vastness of your mind, the vastness of mind. Don't ignore that. Or if you do shrink down into some petty concern about what they said or, or what you can't stop doing or how you're not getting your way somehow because 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 sounds like crows profound and vast this is a prajna wisdom has no boundaries has no limits even to use a word to point to it, even if it's a, a Sanskrit word. Still, it's a pointer, but it limits what it's being pointed at, puts limits on it. There's no limit to wisdom. Wisdom doesn't belong to anyone. Actually, your mind, as it is, your everyday mind, belongs to no one. The ownership is some invention. Probably, probably by a white man somewhere. But not necessarily pinning it on someone. Whatever it was, whatever that shrinking down is, that is out of fear. There's fear of too much space. Fear of your, your, the, the ego's, uh, Self-centeredness is experience of vastness may only be fear. That not knowing what's, what am I afraid of or 
what's going to happen or sometimes showing up as anxiety. What do you do with that? Don't do anything with it. Don't abandon the anxiety, the fear, or some way of closing it down. And of course, unless you have to, which I say over and over again, so that you don't go to the other extreme and murder yourself or go into some kind of deliberate masochism. Everyone heard of Satcher Masoch? How many psychologists do we have here? Don't torture yourself in order to feel like somebody. Although it has been said, and I could say here, sitting practice of meditation is a form of voluntary difficulty or suffering or frustration, because when we sit down, hold very still and watch the mind flow, come and go, grasp and reject, shut down, open up over and over and over and over again, that can be very painful, difficult. It's hot in here, isn't it? Is that, did I just ignore the vastness when I shrunk down into my little commentary on it? It's hot in here. Somewhat. When I say don't, I'm not, I'm not challenging you to somehow stop uh, ignoring necessarily. I'm just saying, notice the way we do that. Notice the way we have this uh, amazing openness. We get up in the morning or we wake up after a nap or we just finish eating and we go out, maybe to go for a walk. And there's this amazing experience of everything moving towards us, the sky, the sidewalk, the trees, people's voices coming towards us. And I say, just receive, just receive, just listen. You don't have to understand. Understanding is, in some ways, the, the grasping at an understanding or trying to understand something is actually shutting something down that is being offered to you. By what? By just being alive, by just by being a human being for a short period of time. To study the Dharma, practice sitting meditation, interact with other practitioners, Sangha, study with a teacher, study what is being taught, the concepts that are pointing to how this works and how this is shutting, stopping us from seeing much wider panorama. Maha Vipassana, Maha, great Vipassana awareness, panoramic Vipassana. Is that a pretty good translation of those words? You just got a thumbs up. What's your credential? Who's Sanskrit dictionary? My Sanskrit dictionary. Oh, yours. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> a good one. That, that space is threatening to an individual a person 
parent and a parent person or individual and that apparent person or individual when they when they are on receive and something comes that is threatening or doesn't feel good instead of looking at that or receiving it and saying to ourselves if you said anything at all or even having attitude of what is this what is this instead we clamp down based on causes and conditions that have been showing up in this mind stream not just this body but in this mind stream since beginningless time don't believe I'm not asking you to believe me consider it the boundaries that the mind sets up by using a grasping at a body first first skanda form grasping at the other skandhas the other the other uh, consciousness skandhas feeling perception concept or sometimes called memory and consciousness the sixth sense feels we use that and bring that together to validate me going somewhere because I'm the one who's feeling I'm the one who's thinking I'm the one who's perceiving me I see that conclude we conclude something about it the conclusion is any conclusion just ignores the space and comes down into what a concept a box of cookies something something some reference point that we use to solidify our view of everything our prejudice against somebody something and that prejudice against somebody something you could look at that and back that up or secure that or validate that in a court of law because all you need is relative proof that this caused that and if you do you've got a case so we're not saying that that isn't operable or workable or relatively valid but this is this is a spiritual path this is not a mundane path of results results are closure the spiritual path is not about closure nor is it necessarily about opening although it's sometimes called that I'm not against calling something open it's just that that's more relativity once you have open you have closed just like saying vastness is is as opposed to what can you give me a word Claustrophobia. Huh? Claustrophobia. could be that would be the experience of the opposite of that what is uh, vastness in spanish you know that's it <laughs> i don't know it's vastness thank you when we don't know we see see this and this and this and then or we have an emotion that arises and, and we don't know we know that's painful but instead of actually looking at that and seeing that it is sourceless I'm not saying it isn't dependent, dependently arisen, but that dependent origination is not just this cause that. It's everything causes everything. 
that's when we start to see the profundity relative statement about something. It's something way, way beyond and vast, way bigger, larger, spacious. We continue to use those relative. We're trapped by the relativity into using relative terms to describe something. And on the spiritual path, this is difficult. Even if you have a very clear 30, 40, 50 year study of the Dharma and you memorize the 30 verses of Vasubandhu, or if you, you're a, a scholar of uh, emptiness teachings of Nagarjuna or anyone, and you're teaching in a university. Vastness can still be just a concept about it. So how would you, to ask a question, how would you work with this in such a way that when you hear something like the path is the goal, that the actual path you're on is the goal? What happens in the mind stream when you're, you hear that, when you're told that? What happens in your mind, Kozan, when you hear something like that? I don't know. Chazan, what happens in your mind? Um, just the thought that I probably shouldn't be looking away from what's showing up. Okay. Gokudo. I'm going to pick on all the monks here for a while. Just wondering how this is it can be it. Wow. I don't see any more monks in there. Oh, yeah. Sokaran. Thought you could hide behind that name. Uh, I guess I just, it just stops me. Okay. Well, he's not a monk, but he knows what I'm talking about. Eric Blogshead, can you talk? You got 30 seconds. What's the question again? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember, but that's a good response. Anyone in here, especially anyone who's a monk? When you're bowing, it feels disappointing. Yeah. That's path. The disappointment is the path. You've been on the path for years, and it's it's disappointment, or disappointing, or a feeling of loss or a failure. And if that feeling of loss or failure or disappointment is covered up by some kind of rationale as to why it's that way, then then that's covered up. The disappointment is the vastness. It's like uh, as Chazon said. And I have to paraphrase, but whatever's right in front of you is what needs to be looked at without accepting it, rejecting it, or looking away. Look at your teacup or your tablecloth or your partner's face. Nothing lasts. 
nothing lasts at all. I apologize if this is a boring talk. You could make it a lot more exciting if you ask me some really good questions, especially you very exciting people. You're not exciting. What are you doing? Posing. Posing is an exciting person. Go ahead. Ginger <laughs> Browning, when settling for the safety of Petty Mind, how do we include the vastness? So it's a good start, settling for the safety of just your thought, your petty thoughts about this. I don't like that, I don't like that, and the hell are they doing that for, that kind of thing. So that's how I would describe it, am I along the same lines that you're using? How do you do what now? How do we include vastness? You don't have to include the vastness, but just look at the shrinkage. Look at the way we shrink up into, we settle for some consolidation of emotions and ideas that support a self, support a, an identity. We settle for that rather than look right into the, if you're looking into it, it will continue to feel uncomfortable. You'll be looking at what the Buddha was talking about, suffering. We have to look at the first noble truth, not just necessarily go and try to figure out how to squeeze some suffering out of the third noble truth or cessation. It feels like I will always settle for safety rather than going into the unknown unless some external force kind of forces me to. Mm -hmm. Do I need to find a way to do that myself? Uh, do you meditate? What happens when you meditate? Not right. much. Not much? How often do you meditate? You live in a monastery, you ought to be meditating quite a bit. Oh, that's not enough. How much? I don't know. I have no idea how much you meditate. Not as much as I should did before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not as much as I should. Not as so, much as before. Are you meditating 10 hours a week? We're going to live here. You can also, I'm not shooing you away, but I'm saying just find, find more time. You're not working a 40 hour week somewhere, are you? Sit more. How much do you sit? 16. 16, 17 hours a week. And you also work 40 hours a week. You're also in a relationship. Are you? How's that going? What's that, the Soku Koji Mudra again? How's that going? Train your minds. I, mean, I, I know that that might not translate into some kind of really great advice or recommendation, but I'm saying, what I'm saying is look at the squirreliness, the, the caged rabbit thing that's happening with the mind and just watch that and find a way to hold everything still that you can without rigidity. That is the body, mind, sit still and watch that spinning of the mind and watch how that spinning of the mind will will go from observing a spinning of the mind to stopping it, stopping the spinning by blaming. Stopping the spinning by 
blaming this way or by aggression or by ignoring, shutting down, just focusing on one or, on one or two things so you don't have to look at this over here. Vast. It's vast. The mind is so vast and we are so hard not to swear right here, right now. We are so incredibly, there's a pretty good word. We're so petty and so self-centered that we're willing to, sh even though we've been meditating for a long time, we're really, we're, we are willing to shrink our mind down into this little position and hang on to it, this little coconut shell we've hollowed out in our mind and hide out in there, shrink down into it. What makes it more difficult is you don't really know you're doing that. It looks like something else. When, you're, when that's happening, it looks like this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I should do. This is the only thing I can do. This is a choiceless for me. I have to shrink down and protect myself. Maybe. Slav, S-L-A-V, says, Steve is bowing. What, what's the difference between the receive all things and be with all things? Uh, be with all things, he says here, but I think he means things. I think. Be with all things. Receive just uh, just whatever's coming towards you. Don't object, don't agree, don't look away. And be with all things uh, is very similar. Be with all things is the third uh, of the three pure precepts. Do good, don't do harm, be with all things. Or the other way of saying it, more personalized, is save all beings. Put others before yourself. But others' welfare, even if they're functioning in a way with you that is threatening or unfair or causing you to shrink down into your petty mind. If it weren't for that person, I wouldn't have this petty mind. I would be wonderfully agreeable and vast. The, the, the word vast does not refer to some kind of big space like i'm just saying when i say look at the ground and then go out and look up at the sky look at the contrast there it is it's it's ridiculous the contrast that's there because this way you stop right here at this huge ball of dirt that you're standing on or sitting on and if you look the other way it doesn't end as far as we know oh there's all although there are other balls of matter all over the place, but fundamentally doesn't stop. Your mind is similar. The difficulty seems to be the practice is not so much looking into the vastness, particularly, but looking somewhat as Chaitanya was saying, look right at the dirt, look right at it, look right at the wall look simple as possible so that you can see what the nature of the mind actually is yourself, not just something you read about it or not just something that you name it because you know there's an I consciousness, an olfactory consciousness, nerve endings and so on. Go ahead. 
Chocobang, what is the self-centeredness contacting when it um, shrinks back into itself? What is it contacting? The consciousness which belongs to no one and has no form, it's, it's formless. So we have to have some kind of idea of form before we can even attend to formless? What does formless mean? No form, no shape. It wants a shape. It wants a form. Ego mind wants to be something. And when that somehow that started at some point, you could say in time, and shrinking seemed to work temporarily to prevent too much space. So it is unreal. What is it? It's a lie. So it's not separate from it, but the only way that we can see that that's true is as someone who, a being, a person, you, me, any of us, ex experience, we receive that feeling of being threatened or something is threatening us, we don't know what it is, the way it's vastness is when you turn right into it. Trungpa Rinpoche's way of saying it is you march directly into disappointment. You march directly into fear. It's not It's not a, a conquest. It's not warfare. You're not going in there to donate yourself to some demon or something. But you, you turn into it. You go into that. Our way of doing that is sit down, hold still, face the wall. Anything that arises, receive. Even if it's fear, just receive that. Or you could say, go into that. Very similar. More. It seems like um, that would be like looking at the dirt, like looking at what what is, which can be very closed. Yes. How is that vast? Because it's deliberately looking at the closure. Deliberately, rather than reacting to not knowing or some form or a significator or pointer at open openness or vastness or otherness, or not knowing, and shrinking down into something, somebody. That's not, that's not uh, awareness practice. That's deliberately ignoring something, or distracting yourself, or blaming someone for something, rather than looking at the, the fear or the unhappiness that is arising, instead of being responsible for what's happening. Not, not blame, but it's your mind stream. As I've said, probably been saying off and on for at least 10 years, nobody's pouring negative feelings into you. Those are yours, not yours in the sense of me, myself, and I, but yours in the sense of your mind stream. Yeah. I can feel that. You can't. You can hear it, but it's my nerve endings. That's what I mean by mine. I don't mean there's some solid ongoing being here. Even if I say my body, that's still an incredibly strong boundary between this body and other bodies. Uh, it's, sometimes it seems like I may mistake marching in to something for just um, like self punishing myself by sitting in the pile of crap, and I'm feels like punishment. Mm -hmm. But I don't necessarily think I'm marching into it, so I just wonder might might I give myself a break? Or, um, yeah. So are you, 
are you um, when you're uh, sitting meditation when you're when you're sitting still you're looking at the wall and you're watching the mind stream come and go um, is that the area you mean by sitting in your cramp oh no when negativity arises like and uh, everything else other parts the other cramp So that's not something I can particularly figure out and say, oh, well, you're doing, you should, you shouldn't do this, you should do that. Uh, what I would say is spend as much time as you can doing sitting meditation, hold still, watch the movement of the mind come and go. Because if we don't have a lot of, of um, uh, training or, or changing around the, the knee-jerk action of ego to slant, clamp down or shut down or point or blame. If we don't have some way of providing some kind of even relative spaciousness in the mind, then what shows up in the mind is not really seen clearly because it is irritating, frightening, shouldn't be that there. Someone else is causing it. One of the ways, if you're a meditator and you've been a med meditator for a while, you might not feel much better, but you'll notice a quite an amazing difference but in, in what you're seeing and understanding in the world and what someone who has no mind training at all and what they're working with. This doesn't mean that they're somehow wrong or less intelligent, but people who have no mind training are caught up in that circle and are suffering. And people who have a lot of mind training uh, see the circle that they're caught up in and are still suffering because they're still trying to get out of the circle. The person that's in the circle, the way they get out of it is to blame. Or the way they get out of it is to assume this or assume that, or I shouldn't do this, I got to stop that. If I start doing that, must be not getting enough water. Not that that couldn't be true. But then if, you're, if you've been practicing, you're starting to see the circularity. Sometimes you could say you see how kind of crazy you are, how you, you just clamp down on some things, and then you, you have a little bit more space there, and you see that. It doesn't, doesn't even make any sense that I'm doing that. That's, so we begin to see how, over time, through sitting practice of, medi of meditation, we see that, we see that we're, we're putting demands on things. We have to do this. We have to do that. They need to stop doing that. So no mind training. You believe the thoughts, and you try to squeeze happiness out of samsara. And if you're a meditator on the path, you've not realized your true nature yet, so you're still... You're still caught in that circle, you're, but you're just more and more vividly aware of how much you're suffering and how much suffering is going on in the world that the Buddha pointed to. Life is suffering. Nerve endings are not comfortable in any of the sense fields. And as students of the Buddha's Dharma, how do we work with this? We look at it. We become aware of the way this all works. And we don't push on it, pull on it, or shut down on it. passion, aggression, and ignorance. We just receive so that eventually, you could say, <clears throat> we will realize our true nature, which is not separate from anything anywhere. It's not separate from distant galaxies. It's not separate from the dirt under our feet. It's not the same as that. But it's not separate from it. And that's a powerful realization. It's not some fluffy kind of thing where you feel all romantic about how you're one with everything. It's not cosmic consciousness. If there is cosmic consciousness, there, is, there certainly isn't anyone left. 
even the cosmos is gone. I'm, I'm very interested, highly motivated out of what I'm looking at right now and have been looking at for a while. I'm highly motivated to help you see this. That's the most, that's the only advertisement I have. I don't know how else to, to help you other than say, train your mind, see what this is. The other way I've been saying it is don't miss your life. Don't miss what is showing up in your life stream by objecting to some of it, agreeing with some other part and, and ignoring another part based on how you feel about it. If I'm real concerned about how you feel, then I can't really help you because you're already doing that. But if I'm concerned about how you feel, not that I'm not, but I'm saying if I operate out of uh, functioning with you in a way that you're going to feel better, functioning in a way that I'm kind of protecting you from the very thing that you need to see, may not be so helpful. Sure. Okay. Um, earlier, you used the example of looking down at the ground and then looking up in order to see relative space. What is the relative space that is already there when we're interacting with somebody? So you're interacting, in other words, having a conversation with someone or talking with someone? Is that what you're meaning? Um, yeah. Okay. Space is just the situation that you're in. You're just there. There's, there's something occurring. You're with them and there's space. But we ignore that and shrink down into our ideas about the person or about our relationship or about how they're acting. And it's not that it isn't relatively, doesn't have some validity to it. Of course it does. But we buy that. We, we actually take what is happening in our interaction with a, another person and we don't see deeply into the causation of it. What is the deep causation? Praticca samutpada. And I'll translate that for you if I can. Everything that you see, every whisper, every nose blow, every ant colony, every asteroid that is headed for the Earth. You got a hundred years, so don't worry. Everything that is occur is a, it could be called an occurrence is not separate from anything else. I don't know how else to say it other than you have to see that, realize that, understand that deeply. Otherwise, your relative situation becomes your reference point. They said this, that must mean he's acting like this or she's acting like that. Or they don't understand me. More? What changes if nothing happens? What? Shokabang, it seems like whenever I reflect on what you say, I, I think that something's going to change. And what does that spaciousness look like in, in the midst of all of that stuff not going anywhere? What? Paraphrase it. How do I receive without shutting anything down? 
just watch the way you shut down. Just observe the shutting down. Don't struggle with it. Don't try to can, try to be open because there's ways that consciousness can find its own form and that form may be ignorance in an open and pushy kind of way. Just observe the negativity. Observe the difficulty. And you're not observing the difficulty if you uh, move slightly this way and blame somebody or something or some situation for causing it. Even if, even if there is some kind of causation, if you took just the relative situation, took it to court and had an attorney and sued somebody, yeah, they can find out where he, she, he, they actually did this and this was the result. It will, it will hold up in court more than likely. But what we're interested in here is a spiritual path. We're interested in seeing our fundamental nature, not just the relative nature that is, has been, been, been going on for what, 31 years or more than that now. 30, 32 years. You just turned 32? Wait till that doubles. You can't wait? Yeah, you can. Watch what moves. Just watch. It's very simple and very, very difficult because everything, especially outside of the a stronger form like a monastery in the everyday world, the everyday family where there's, where there's no mind training, where everyone we're relating to is thinking in terms of right and wrong, success and failure, should and shouldn't. The whole world is doing that. And relatively, it's if we were going to live forever and we would never die, you know, in about three or four hundred years, we'd stop fighting with everybody. Might even stop fighting over their own mind. But it's unlikely we're going to live that long. Vast. Kyokudo bowing. Kyokudo. Um, sometimes there seems to be so much happening that I'm not sure what to watch. And you say, don't miss your life but I often have this feeling that I'm missing something. What is that? What do I do with that? Um, I wouldn't do much with it. When I'm saying don't miss your life, I'm saying it's the cover-up part, the, the blaming someone part, thinking it's someone else, because of how you feel, or anyone, how you feel, it's because of him or her or that or this. Because of we buy right into the relative structure of it because we are so identified with the body and mind as being us, being me, me and my feelings, my ideas, my sensitivity. And it's not that that isn't there. That we can include that. But we, it seems we have to, with an awareness practice and on the spiritual path, that we need to look deeply into anything and see that we're not shoving something down because we don't want that or I don't deserve that. And it's extremely difficult if the very person that is causing you difficulty is actively would even agree. Yes, I'm causing you difficulty. I'm trying to make you unhappy. I'm trying to get my way at your expense or but the deep understanding of that is that 
Everything is dependent on the arisen. There's no solid being there, nor is there a solid being here. It is an incredible illusion, and it's it is the the source of the extreme suffering and discomfort and actual suffering. It's uh, uh, not only suffering but torture of other people going on all over. People, human beings can actually actively reach out to other beings and kill them, obliterate them, and have in their mind some kind of validation that they're doing some thing that does something, helps them, makes them all powerful, or makes all those beings evil beings because they're not obeying the dictator, oligarch, or the king of the universe. And if we go to war with that, if you fight back and try to stop that type of thing, this is the cover-up. Don't stop whatever's happening in your mind stream. Don't stop it. Don't, don't medicate it. Don't meditate it. Don't do anything with it, but just watch it. Just watch it come and go and come and go until the observer situation, the, the, the sense of, of an observer and the sense or seeing awareness of what is being observed collapse. And you could even say it's not even a collapse. It's just that we stop making up stuff. We stop inventing ideas about what this is. And you actually begin to see what it is fundamentally. And it's it, by saying it, it misses the mark because it's such a relative statement. And it's so simple that there isn't anything that's separate from anything else anywhere. And there's nothing to correct, nothing to fix. As Long Chumpa would say, refer to this as the great perfection. But you need to realize it. Or not. Or do something else. Questions are good if you have them. Answers are good if I can respond. Is there an immediate vastness? Yes, immediate in the sense of uh, standing in the waiting room, that kind of thing. Waiting for that old vastness again, it's not coming. Seems like I'll I'll blame, go to blame, but after time, that kind of falls apart. Um, Is there another way to look at that so that? Are you saying not to just watch the Yeah, the, the other way is the same way. Just wear it out. I don't know if it actually wears out uh, in the sense Chung uh, Parampache also used that wearing out ego, like don't get it resold or rehealed, just walk on it, walk on it. And my way of saying that is just look at the negativity. Don't fix it, don't correct it. Even though there's some teachings that teach us seven points of mind training will give you techniques and so on, or changing this or changing that. And sometimes there's even a, there's a slogan there's change your attitude and relax as it is, or change your attitude just, and in some way that can help if you're, if you're really clear, if you've been training your mind, and if you're clear about the negativity, again, I'll say it again, if you're clear about how negative, what the negativity you're generating, you, you are in, uh, you are in a, if you call it positionality, you're in a position to just change your attitude because you see that it's just, it's not, has no structure to it, it's just made of consciousness. 
Nothing is solid. This is that solidity is a relative situation. And this somehow proves something. It does. But go look in the mirror. Ask yourself, spend 10, 15 minutes in the mirror. That's not much out of your, your whole life. Look at the mirror and do nothing but receive what's in front of you. You might say somewhere in that 10 or 15 minutes, what am I looking at? And if some kind of description comes up, look some more. If you know what you're looking at, this is ignorance. Just a little experiment. Mirror is used quite a bit in wisdom teachings because seeing what this is is very much like a mirror because everything is saying back to you, not separate, not separate. And it, say, it says it in a similar fashion that a mirror does. You're, you're looking, what is looking is what is looking back at you. And it's not some kind of magical, magical situation. It's very ordinary. Um, if during a shikantaza, you, it seems very quiet, not much going on, just keep going that way or adjust anything. Uh, I can't see your name. Who's asking? Yoshin, I'm sorry. Bowing. Okay. Uh, yeah, just keep going. Just observe. Just observe. Um, Isaac, I think this is Isaac's. Yokuto Bowing, I can read that if you like. Thank you. Isaac says, how do I see the vastness when I'm feeling claustrophobic in fearful situations? Bowing. So it, there, it is very situational. You use the word, I'm going to use it. A situation, uh, it's, it's situational in that sometimes you might just sit still and just observe that. Another time you might get the hell out of there. So it isn't like we have a blanket instruction for everything. That's why you can't, that's why standards don't work. You have to observe. And that's, that's dangerous to ego. Ego gets very worried, especially someone who is tied into strong forms and uses strong forms to secure the ego. You can secure your ego just by uh, having a, a chart that, says, that shows you you've just meditated uh, 25, 30 hours a week for the last year or two. That accomplishes nothing. I'm not saying that the sitting practice doesn't accomplish something, but it's not trackable. You can't trace that. So I would say in, in the, the way I understand your question, and I know you a little bit, uh, I, I would say that especially to you, I would say um, if this is happening in a sitting meditation, try to sit a little, a little bit further into it. If you sat down to, to meditate for an hour, you might stay there another three or four minutes. But then you could get up, go do something else. Not, not to subject yourself to some kind of a deliberately painful situation. If it's in an environment with other people or some, any kind of, uh, and I hear I have no idea what you're dealing with, but social anxiety or something like that, you know, you can, you can move out of that. You don't have to stay in that situation where, there's, where, where someone else is operating out of maybe more aggression or more of blaming you or something. And also just the, the paranoia or the fear that can just arise spontaneously 
with no particular cause at all. So I would say insofar as you can, look at the texture of it. You can't seem to get walk away from it, move away from it, and it just keeps coming towards you insofar as you can. If you have a strong sitting practice, in other words, you meditate a lot, then you, you will have an ability. It won't show up as an ability, but you will notice that you can just look at that. You can just receive that. What is real? What is valuable? What is important? It's not threatened. You can't threaten Buddha nature. You can't threaten Buddha Dharma, awakened. Buddha, awake, awakened truth. You can't threaten that. It's not something that can be driven away. If the world exploded tomorrow, everyone might die. But Buddha nature does not die because it has not come into existence as a, a star system or a galaxy or a human being. But since you're here as a human being in this amazing realm, six realms, the human realm, you wouldn't be able to even hear this if you were in hell realm or jealous God realm or hungry ghost realm or animal, because that, you're too busy being a hungry ghost, too busy being an oligarch, too busy fighting your way to the top of the executive ladder, too busy with otherness, other, too busy fighting wars. But if you're listening to this, you're ready to see this. Whether you will or not, I don't know. But you're ready to see this. Um, however much time I have left is dedicated to this. It's not to be powerful or make money. It's dedicated to this. So if you're resonating with somewhat with what is being said here, then practice, train your mind. Use the structure of the three jewels. You don't have to believe in Buddhism. There's nothing to believe there anyway. Don't have to do it formally. It's up to you. Return to the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, and return to the wall. Return to sitting very still and watching what moves in the mind stream so that you can get to know yourself in a deep, intimate way that will begin to transcend this very lifetime. Can I promise you that? I can't promise you anything. I don't need to. Vastness. It's so vast. And we ignore it every day, every afternoon at three or every... We might be ignoring it when we're sitting on the cushion, but it's less likely to happen happen on the cushion. It's more likely that you're going to fall asleep. More likely that you're going to daydream. But that's always and also about awareness. It's not about <laughs> attaining some kind of state, the state of enlightenment. This is no state of enlightenment. If any, if it's if you even use the word state, it's more stateless than anything. There isn't any state of awakening. If there were, you could knock them over, as it says in the Zen tradition. You see the Buddha on the road, kill him. It doesn't mean kill somebody. It just means um, if you think you see enlightenment, uh, you don't. take another question or two if there are some, but I think I pretty much put everybody to sleep. Uh, Pao Shan, Pao Shan. <clears throat> if I look at the mirror and 
know what I'm looking at? What is the ignorance that, that is there? Um, if you if you know what you're looking at, then you're you're looking at various things. It could be a description. It could be a feeling about how you how you think about yourself. It could be your imputed self-esteem. It could be your all of your skills and abilities, which you have considerable amount. Not a compliment. Just a description. You have a considerable amount of ability to do various things. Everyone has some has skilled and accomplished in some area. Just look and see what's there. And as you do that, you'll notice you think you know what's there for a while. Good question. Keep coming if you have it. Pasha, uh, I'm is, is the ignorance settling for the description of what I think is in front of me? A little bit. But you have to be very, uh, um, very observant in that, in that area because knowing that you're settling is a credential. So it, it, as soon as there's any conclusion there, any knowing of anything, this is relative truth and this is shrinking down into this and that, this and that. So you have to actually see this. I'm inviting you to look by looking at your own face just to see what I'm looking at. I don't know if you're going to see it in a mirror or not, but let's let's see. No pun intended. See if you know who that is. There's a comment and a question online. Good. Uh, comment from Francisco. Vast, vastness in Spanish is vasto, as if refer, as if referencing something being unbounded or colossal. Thank you. And a question from Robert Swiatek. Robert. Is vastness choiceless? It's choiceless. Fundamentally choiceless, the way it sounds like you're asking the question. But the, the part that's choiceless uh, is the covering up. The covering up is choiceless. But you can see that. You can eventually see that it's a knee-jerk reaction that is choiceless. And when you actually see what is being covered up, then that is choiceless, which is vast, unbounded, indescribable, and without, without beginning or end, without content. You don't look like Robert, but you're kind of taking on his facial expressions. Any further question? Or we can end? There isn't any. Ask me. I'm sitting here. Ask me something. I may may not be able to respond, but don't miss the opportunity. Kyoshin. Kyoshin, uh, bowing on... Uh... On the mirror uh, meditation, I've done it, but it's been many years ago. Do you focus right at the eyes when you're looking at your body or a wider focus? I don't do either one uh, as, a, as a selectivity. You might look at your eyes and you might see, your, so then you might notice the towel rack behind you. Mm -hmm. You're in a room, probably if it's a bathroom, it's probably a room. Or it could be uh, in the, the mirror over your over your couch or something, but some kind of a mirror where you can be by yourself and just look. And it could be 
you'll notice that you that you I'm not trying to I'm not suggesting you look I focus at the end of your nose or something like that and try to use peripheral vision to gather things. However, I do teach a class called uh, opening the eye mind where we have exercises where we deliberately do those kind of things. But this isn't that this is just it'll be your looking, not something I'm telling you how to do that much different than uh, the the educational uh, instruction that I am endeavoring to give called opening the eye mind. So you just sit down and notice your glasses or you might take them off and just look and you can ask what what is this? You could, you could say who is this also that might cause a lot more to come back in terms of who you are or how you describe yourself. Good thing to do. That's that's a good place to see vastness. Uh, Post meditation. Sure. Shabbat. When you talk about vastness, they go to either perceptual, visual, or like a, a feeling orientation. Um, what is the vastness of? other senses like hearing, smelling, tasting? Well, they're, they're relative, but they're vast. They can be, hearing is vast. But we're, we're talking about here, talking about the mind stream, that area where there's, the kitchen is full of pink alligators. It's that kind of vastness. You, I can, I, we can together, we can create uh, another world. I can just tell you about it and you'll imagine it. Even people who aren't visual have a way of conceptualizing things that they can experience in their mind stream, something that wasn't there until I began describing it. And even though I'm describing a, a so-called three-dimensional thing, you'll have some kind of experience of that. And that's something we are sharing together. It's might be, uh, you might think of us, well, so what? It's, what does that mean? Well, you're, you're being introduced to the, completely open dimension of the mind uh, by using pictures. You can also do it with words. You can do it with poetry. You can do it with uh, sound, with music. Music is a very easy entry. When I say easy, I'm not saying it's, uh, I'm not saying it's um, easy to be a musician, particularly. That might take a lot of work to really be good at doing something like that. But it's, uh, we listen to music, it's just a, anybody who hears music is, has an easy entry into a vast area of consciousness called sound. And everything else, emotion, it's a stunning area to look into from the point of view of just awareness. This is why people spend their whole life just because they feel that like their path is a spiritual path and it's what, making music. Listen to Van Morrison. If you want a painting, a uh, painter, go, go read the, the writings of Max Beckmann, German Expressionist painter, who has a very spiritual orientation towards uh, German Expressionist painting that he produced. But you read what he says about it, it's like, also read the letters of uh, uh, Vincent van Gogh to his brother, Tail. This, uh, I don't know if it's a, what you'd call a true spiritual path, but it was quite profound what was happening with him. Too bad that he didn't have some kind of mind training. 
and had to uh, end his life. Uh, what, what kind of fear, paranoia, or depression? We don't really know. Thank you so much. into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. If you value the teachings of Sokozan and you would like to support his teaching work and the functions of Sokokoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, which also supports monk and practice residents, please consider giving a donation by visiting our website at sokokoji.org.